0: And go to the the book of Mark, chapter 5, verse 21, starting at verse 21. This is crazy. I am not even bilingual. I can hang a little bit in Spanish. But just that little bit, I'm catching myself wanting to say words in Spanish. That is... I, I, like, I almost just said uh, Marcos, and I was like, wait a second. This would be a real choppy message if I tried to speak it in Spanish, because... I preached one whole message, an entire message in Spanish in Argentina when I lived there. And it, 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 was, it was the longest message to prepare in my whole life. It took me hours because I'd write something down and I'd try to figure out how to say it. And then there was a man that, that helped me and he did not speak English. And so he was reading my Spanish trying to figure out what I was trying to say. And he'd stare and he'd go... Oh oh, 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 no, 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 <laughs> no, no, cierto. And so then I have to change it. And so I could preach in Spanish, and maybe, maybe we you'd get a few words. Those of you that speak Spanish. But when I preach that Spanish message um, coming up in the beginning of this next year, brother Jose is going to interpret for me, and we're going to have a great time. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live What faith. Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, say 12 years, years. had suffered many things of many physicians. Many things of many physicians. Had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. She was looking for answers. She was seeing the best doctors she could afford. She spent all her money and was just devastated. And when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I don't even need his attention, I don't even need him to speak a word, if I can just touch the clothes that touch his body. And herein lies the birth of even anointed handkerchiefs, anointed prayer cloths that You know what, if you can just pray, if the Spirit of God can touch a cloth, that cloth can touch a body and provide healing, not because the cloth is magical. Jesus' clothes were not magical that day, but she just knew with faith, if I can just touch the the clothes that touch his body, I don't even need to touch him, I don't need the word, I can just, I know if I could just touch the clothes, I'll be made whole. And straightway, verse 29, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? (laughs) Could you imagine traveling with Jesus right now? It's not like they were on a seven-lane highway. They're in the middle streets, walking in narrow paths like you would find in the Middle East, like we found in the Middle East, Chad. It we would, we'd walk on narrow streets. It's funny because they never know this is coming, but it's like they have it on speed dial. Chad, we're going to have to go to Israel again because we have gotten more handsome with age. <laughs> and a bit more muscular, so we... We probably should go again. And so imagine this. They're traveling together. And, you know, people are just there. Oh, make way, the master, make way. And, you know, they're going through the streets. And he just stops and goes, hang on. Someone just touched me. (laughs) His disciples said, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee. It's amazing because we think like they were just these obedient followers. You better believe that at times. They were like, what is going on with him? Why is he sleeping in the middle of a storm?" Like they would no doubt get frustrated with Jesus at times. Just like probably you do at times when he doesn't move and act and fast as you would like. And so they're like, you see is the multitude. And you're saying, who touched me? I mean, they were probably trying to be respectful, but maybe just a bit sarcastic. Are you you kidding me right now? You're asking? I I picture Peter being the one with the big mouth. (laughs) Jesus. There's people all over, and you're asking me which one touched you. Okay, this is impossible. (laughs) He looked roundabout to see her that had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, could you imagine? Being that woman that says, I got so much faith in it. If I can just touch, the, I don't need to touch him. I don't need him to stop. I don't need him to talk to me. If I can just touch the clothes that touch his garment, I'll be all right. So she's pushing through, probably getting her hand stepped on, getting hit in the face. People are walking, getting knee in the side of the head. And she's reaching out and she just touches and whoa, she just stops. And instantly he goes, who touched me? The terror that would have went through her body. Because they're not sure, you know exactly what this is. There's no description of the bleeding. It was possibly uterine bleeding. If so, it was not only debilitating. But it rendered the woman religiously unclean so that she could not, no pious Jew would have any contact with her. She'd have to be in a time of being unclean. You certainly couldn't be with money. You definitely couldn't touch anyone. She had been like this for 12 years. So imagine that. It's not just the physical toil and the cost of going to the doctors and the agony, but it was the fact that you were isolated, that you could have to be away from certain people, that your disease, so to speak that day your uncleanness would keep you from the presence of people so this day she's just like I'm done this is it I'm risking it all I'm going to I'm, I just got to touch the hem of his garment and he stops who touched me as soon as she touches him so no doubt she was panicking. She was freaking out, just going, uh, she, she might have feared the consequence of defiling the holy man of God by touching him in her unclean state. She may have feared a rebuke for having delayed Jesus making it to the home of Jairus for, to, to, to deal with his daughter, or she might have been overcome with the awe and emotion of what just happened so quickly, because there's no doubt, instantly she felt, what? Whoa. And he, he looks at her, and she's fearing, she's trembling, knowing what was done in her because she immediately knew she had been healed. She came and she fell down before him and told him all the truth. Again, she's like, I'm busted. I'm going to come out and say it and just hope somebody has mercy around here. Thank God it wasn't the Pharisees to make the decision because they had probably killed her. I'd rather always err on the side of grace. And he said to her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Today I want to talk on this topic. Who is touching Jesus? Who is touching Jesus? God, we love you. We are so grateful for what we sang about, the truth, the principles, things that are more than a song, they're alive, they're real, they're biblical. God, they're things that you're doing in our lives, God, and we have worshiped, we, we've, we've ran, we've jumped, we've, we've knelt down, we've raised our hand, we've cried, we've, we've raised hands in worship to you, God, and I believe that the windows of heaven are open, that you are getting ready to do some things here today, and because I believe that you have received our worship today. So God, just work through me, Lord Jesus. Help me to be the one that just allows you to use my lips and my mouth as your vessel, God, that I don't do anything that would get in your way, Father, but that you would accomplish absolutely everything, not, not one thing, Lord God, that you, don't, that, that you would have complete, 100% total freedom to do everything that you want to do in this place on this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You take a step back from hypothesizing how she might feel. And you think about what Jesus would feel. He stops and he says, hey, virtue left my body virtue left my body. Well, that's pretty interesting that he's walking and they're thinking like, we are, who touched you? What are you talking about? The whole crowd, the whole multitudes there. But he wasn't talking about just a physical touch. He actually felt someone come to him and touch him with an expectation to receive something from him. There was a whole bunch of people that were thronging him, that was hitting against him, maybe touching him and go, hey, Jesus, hey, we love you. Good to see you. No doubt some of the followers were probably trying to make a path for him walk. People were probably trying to reach out to him, not because everybody loved him, worshipped him, believed in him, but they liked the show. This guy was famous. He Everywhere he went, there were signs, wonders, miracles. So certainly some people followed him, and they were they, they were like, I want to be close to you. I want to follow you. I want you to be my rabbi. I want to know more about what you believe, what you're teaching, what you're preaching. Maybe they even believe he's a supernatural being. But a lot of people showed up just to see the show, just because, wow, hey, the show's in town. Let's go check it out. And so, there's a difference between a gift and virtue. We can operate spiritually on gifts. The Bible talks about the gifts of the Spirit. But people who operate solely on gifts and not on the virtue of God's Spirit deep within him. Th- those people will crash and burn eventually. And no doubt, if you've walked in this truth for any extended period of time, you probably could think of people, list people, name names, not being judgmental or rude, but just people that you either respected, loved, looked, at, uh, looked up to, and they once were mightily used of God And then they walked away from truth, even in spite of all of these spiritual gifts, all these incredible things. And sometimes you're like, what? How does that happen? But what's more puzzling is when these same people will leave and walk away from truth, do their own thing, and all of a sudden miracles are still happening. You're going... That that shouldn't be the case. If I was God, I certainly wouldn't allow someone living in sin and making those types of choices to have that level of authority and that level of gifts in the Spirit that could operate and, and be a part of these incredible, miraculous things when they're living like that. But gifts of the Spirit don't have a conscience. Let me explain. This is why you'll sometimes see this person or people who live in sin can still operate in a spiritual gift. We certainly wouldn't do it. We would if we were in charge, we wouldn't let that happen. But Matthew seven twenty one to twenty three, it tells us this very important passage. It says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God. So he, Jesus is speaking, and he's saying, hey, just because people believe in me, these, not everybody goes to heaven that just believes in Jesus. He says, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So there's a doing. There's an obedience. He says, many are going to say in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in, that, in thy name? I mean, how many of us would like to prophesy? That's a pretty powerful spiritual gift. Like, wow, that's, that's impressive. He says, and in thy name, we've cast out devils. That's a pretty impressive thing. That's a, that's a spiritual. Wow, you're, you're just walking in. To me, I would think somebody that's casting out devils, they got some spiritual authority. They're walking out, come out in the name of Jesus. I mean, and in thy name, we've done wonderful works. He says, and I will profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So people that will say, even in denominations, oh, just believe in the Lord and you're saved. Really, because these are certainly believers. But he's saying they're not going to make it. Why? Because belief is a starting point. It's not something that's not important. It's absolutely essential. Faith is essential to salvation. But it's not the ending point. It's the beginning point. And so when I believe in something... I'm going to do something about it. He said, he that doeth the will of our Father. And so if he says to me, he should be baptized in my name. Well, if I believe him and what he says, and I believe his word, then I don't have to pray about should I get baptized or not. I'm going to get into the water because scripture says it, and I trust him, and I have faith in him, and he asked me to obey his plan. There's his plan. That's what I'm going to do. And so I'm going to live in obedience. And so he says, we've cast out devil's work to the gifts. God, God says, I never knew you. Gifts, because gifts don't get you to heaven. You can be a part of supernatural things. You can say, well, I, I, God, certainly. I remember when I prayed for this and this happened. This person was healed and I did this. And, and we can talk about all these amazing things. And that sometimes can be a tricky thing because when you are mightily used by God, whether it's in an altar, in a classroom, in a pulpit, singing a song, whatever that is, you feel that it feels incredible to the the human flesh when the mighty spirit of God begins to flow through you in a marvelous and supernatural way. It's intoxicating. It really is. But if you don't have virtue, if you don't have some integrity inside of you, you're not going to be able to handle that. Because what happens is, if we're not careful, God starts to move in such supernatural ways that we start to say, I did this. And I went and prayed for these people. And I ministered over here. And I remember when I preached there, this many people received the gift of the Spirit. And I went over here and we put it on Facebook and we tell the whole world about how I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, but glory to God. And we try to somehow spin it like we're really just trying to edify and glorify God when really we just started our first six sentences with all the things that we did. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't put something on Facebook? Somebody's healed. We, Sister Teresa was healed, and we told the world about it. And, and some of us have prayed for her, but I don't think any of us started with, not trying to brag, but I prayed for Sister Teresa several weeks ago. And um, God, God deserves the glory, but yes, I'm so thankful that I prayed for her. And somehow we mask our humility in pride. Or we mask our pride in humility. And so he says, hey, this, these gifts, these things that you're doing, they're gifts of the Spirit, but those things don't get you into heaven. A relationship with God does. We can never use spiritual gifts or ministry or credentials as validation to make us feel right about our relationship with God, especially this is really geared at people that have walked with God a long time because what happens is sometimes we look back and we, when, when we have a prayer meeting, we say, God's going to do great things today. And we're like, yeah, okay, cool. That'd be cool because I've been in a lot of prayer meetings where God's done great things. If I get up and say, God wants to do signs, wonders, and miracles today. If you need one, stand up. And you say, yeah, you know, we'll stand. But I've seen this done a million times. And so if we're not careful, we start to just kind of, well, yep, this is something I've walked this way before. I've seen this before. And even the longer we minister. Oh, yeah, I've preached many messages. Ain't nobody going to tell me nothing I haven't seen or heard before. I've heard many songs. Yep, we need to stand and worship God. Yep, I heard that one before. This is a good song. Yep, absolutely. we we almost start to just, everything kind of can become mundane because we've walked that way for so long. And it happens even in, like I said, even in ministry. People say, oh, yes, uh, I remember I was at journal conference. Brother Stone came prayed over somebody, and somebody got a wheelchair. They carried the wheelchair out. I remember somebody was deaf, and they couldn't hear, and they walked. I, things that I've seen in, in, with my own eyes. But we almost just to be, and, and especially when we're the ones that are doing, when we're the ones laying hands on people, when we're the ones preaching the message, when we're the ones teaching the lesson we can start to subconsciously look at it like, well, I'm pretty powerful. But God is the only boss that I know of that will fire a person and let that person keep working. Legit? Why? Because Scripture says... Romans 11, that his gifts are without repentance. And so God is going to give someone a spiritual gift, and he's going to use it to bring glory to his name. He's going to accomplish powerful, miraculous things. And so if someone lives in sin, he doesn't necessarily remove that gift from them because he still wants to heal someone. So he might use someone that's living like a knucklehead, crazy, doing stupid stuff. And he'll still use that person, but he's not moving because of that person. He's moving in spite of that person. And if we're not careful, we start to look and go, well, they do that. Well, they don't really pray, so they don't really come to the altar. They don't really. And they seem pretty anointed. And so I'm not going to come try to develop some super high level of commitment and consecration, start talking about seven-day fast. I didn't even want to do a one-meal fast, seven-day fast. Please forget. Like, and they're, they, they're being used. They're anointed. They're teaching kids. It seems people are getting the Holy Ghost when they speak. They're, you know, and so we go, well, obviously God's using them. Fine, so I don't need to raise my bar any higher because he can use me right where I am, and he can. But if we're not careful, God using you is not validation of where you are spiritually. And that's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around it. Because so we're very driven into, if you perform, you get rewarded. If you do well, you get a, you get a raise. If you do well, you get a promotion. If you don't, you're going to get demoted. You're going to get fired. So everything is kind of based on performance. And so for us, we come into this, we go, hang on, that doesn't make sense. I know that guy is not, he is a sinner. But yet God just, he had prayed with somebody and somebody, somebody just got healed. What in the world? Well, that's because he's the only boss that fires someone and lets them keep working. Saint of God, minister of God, child of God, we have to ask ourselves, what's going on in our private lives? I once preached a message entitled, Deception of Delayed Consequences. Because if God doesn't, like, I sinned, he didn't strike me dead, I guess I'm all right. We're cool. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with God like this. But it's not the case. God, in his grace and mercy, is not going to strike you dead the minute that you do something. But just because he doesn't, doesn't mean he's okay with it. And so what you're doing, what I'm doing, what are we doing? We, we must look. Is it, is, it, is it producing virtue or are we relying on gifts? When we come in and you've been assigned to be a praise singer, worship leader, musician, rock church teacher, rock academy teacher. When you've been called to lead in prayer, work in AV, work in guest relations, preach, teach, go into a Bible study. When we do these things... Are we walking in going, I'm filled with the spirit of God. Lord, let your spirit move in the name of Jesus. I prayed. I, I'm, I'm working for the kingdom. I'm going to teach a Bible study. I'm going to do these things. And I even prayed over my lesson. I am a man or a woman of God. I am filled with his spirit. I'm walking in expecting God's spirit to move. And then God's spirit does move. And so we go, praise God. See, I'm, 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 me and him are cool. He moved through me today and he, he did great things. But if we're not, if our private life is not in order, Him moving through us is not validating where we are spiritually. This is deep stuff, but if we can understand, if we can get this, we can make sure that, hey, it's not about the gift. It's not about the ministry. It's about the connection between me and my Creator. And so some people think that, well, God flowing through. No, 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 no. I've never talked to someone who says, so-and-so fell because they had so much virtue coming out of them. They, they, They were dealing with so much virtue, and they just fell. It was amazing. It was just incredible. Jesus didn't say, I felt a gift leave me. He's walking, who touched me? I felt a gift to leave me. No, he said, I felt virtue leave me. Virtue comes only from spending time in the presence of God. I can preach here and around the world, and God can do miraculous mighty things, but that still does not bring virtue into my life. It doesn't come from just being around church. Many of you were at prayer last night, and then you were here today, and you might be going, man doing pretty well. I've made it to Wednesday night, to prayer, to Sunday, and I have really responded. I even cried a little bit. God's power is, he's he's a, his power's upon me. Now, I'm not being cynical because I'm thankful that you were, and God does do these things, but just being around the church does not give us virtue. If the only time we touch Jesus is at an altar call at a service, you will not walk in virtue. Or even doing ministry. I think ministry sometimes gives us a feeling of worth, a feeling of I'm doing something for the kingdom. And, I, and God's called us to minister. Don't misunderstand me. This is powerful. God's called you to minister. God's called us to serve. But all of our service, and I'm speaking to a church that's very strong in service ministries, Very, like, depending on the church, every church has a culture, and there's strengths and weaknesses and things that we do well and things we don't do well. Every church, everywhere, okay? Not just here, probably in Chile. If we talk to them, hey, what are some of the things your church does well? What are some of the things your church does not do well? They probably would say, we do this, not so well here. we got to grow here. It's the same thing here. Our One of our greatest strengths is service ministry. If I said, hey, I know it's last minute, Oh, I know the Chiefs are playing a big game today, but could I please get some help at the church? We have some work that we need to get done. You're freaking out. That's oh, not really happening. I'm just using an example. But I know if I said, could I please get some people to be back here at 530 tonight? I am 100% confident that more than half of you would be back at 530. 30. I know. I won't take advantage of that, but I know that if I need something, if it was personal, if I said, my house, there's just an issue, can someone please give me a hand today? I know that at least 25 of you would come up and say, I can be there. What do you need me to do? Because we're servant-hearted people. But we have to be careful, the Mary and Martha principle, that we're not serving so much that we're ceasing to sit at the feet of Jesus. And so, virtue really does come from spending time in his presence. And and our church does this three day fast, and God is calling us deeper. And I'm so thankful, so thankful. I was telling my wife last night, I am so thankful to be a part of a church that we like this. So, yesterday, I got up at full church prayer. Most of you were there, and God moved in a powerful way but I got up and I said listen I feel like God's we've reached the point that the flesh is saying it's time to wrap up but I feel like God is calling I did not get up and go come on somebody God he can do it hallelujah and then it really would have got powerful I went God can do it hallelujah I'm not making fun of anybody that does that because it's powerful and anointed words a lot. But if, if that's the way they deliver, that's fine. But I don't want to do something to try to ignite a response. I didn't go into scripture. I didn't go in. I literally just got up and said, hey, guys, we've reached this point. God wants us to go deeper. And I think he's calling us to do that right now. But our flesh says stop here. But let's push past the flesh because I think God's got something great and walked away. And people began immediately to stand up, to approach the altar, to kneel down in their pews. There began to be a wail of the the Spirit, a, a crying out to God throughout the whole building. Men, women, children began to cry. People were laying on the floor seeking God. Powerful move of God's Spirit. Why? Because there are people here that want to go deeper. Because there are people here, I don't have to try to make you feel bad, make you feel motivated. You know, you want depth in your relationship with God. And so that's a beautiful thing because I get to serve you as your pastor and I don't have to knock my head against the wall going, well, how can I try to get them to want God? You want God, but yet our flesh is strong. So we learn to go, okay, I really want God, but I really want cheeseburgers. I really want to pray, but I really like sleep. And so our our flesh and our spirit are constantly doing this. And so we go. No, I want to. I want to. I want to go deeper. I don't want to just feed the flesh every whim that it desires. I want to start to go to the depth in the spirit. And so all of us will reach the next ceiling of growth. Here's the thing. This is. Maybe I should have done that. I think this. I said this last week too. This might be a principle for this. Very very practical lesson. But all of us will reach this ceiling of growth. You will. You will. Anybody ever get that where you're like, man, I've grown with God, but I feel like I kind of stagnated. Like I I, I don't know, like I'm I'm still hungry for Him, but yet I don't know. I feel like I kind of hit the roof. And anybody ever get there before? Well, that's because you 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 go in different levels in your depth, in your depth, in your in your anointing with God. That you know, you start off and say, Well, I've never prayed before, and, and all of a sudden now you're going, man, I'm trying to pray 10 minutes a day. And 10 minutes a day. All of a sudden, it starts to come easier, and you say, I'm trying to pray 30 minutes a day, and then I'm trying to pray an hour a day. For some of you, I say an hour a day. You're like, my Lord, I can't even imagine praying an hour a day. I just started praying 10 minutes a day. Well, nobody's asking you to do that. You are start, you're going in your growth with God. And so the key is that you continue growing. But what happens is we go to 30 minutes, and we go to an hour, and we're praying. And all of a sudden, that kind of stagnates. And, and, and we're feeling good about where we landed. We're doing our 30 minutes. But God starts calling us to greater depth and we're like yeah well I, I don't know what to do and so we want, we say I want greater depth but we don't really change anything about what we're currently doing and so I still just pray 30 minutes or I pray on my way to work or I pray before I go to bed or I, this is what I've always done but if you start to feel like I've just hit this ceiling and I, but yet I want to go deeper well if, if, you've always, if you're always doing what you've always done you're always going to get what you've always gotten so maybe it's time to say, I'm not just praying at this time. I'm going to change where I pray. I'm going, to, I'm going to, begin to begin to pray for longer. I used to not read the Bible. Okay, now I'm reading a chapter a day. It started to be three chapters a day. And now I feel like God's just kind of calling me, or I have never fasted. I started by fasting a meal. Now I'm fasting a day. Now they're called this three-day fast. I'm going to do this three-day fast. Some of you are going, God's calling me to do a seven-day fast. And so there's a depth there. And it's not only when God calls you to do so. If you get to a point in your walk with him that's just kind of stagnant, kind of like if you've ever gotten a point in your, in your marriage where things kind of, I know that would never happen to any married couples in here, but if your marriage got a little stagnant, you don't just sit around and go, well, I said I do. I don't want to get divorced. My God, I pray something changes. If you do, come talk to me in three or four weeks. You're still going to feel the same way. But instead you go, you know what? We've got to find somebody to take the kids. we got to go out on a date. Go stay at a hotel. We're going to go see, see a play. We're going to go out to a nice dinner. We're going to go out of town for a little bit. That we do something that says, I want to rekindle some things that maybe we've gotten distracted with all the things of life. With God, it's not always, God's not always going to knock on your door and go, it's time to go on a seven-day fast. And you go, it probably wasn't Jesus. (laughs) Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's not you, Lord. I don't believe it's you. I'm eating right now. But we, we, what do we, it's not just, it's not just that. Sometimes we just say, I'm hungry for God He didn't necessarily speak to me, but I certainly can't go wrong by praying more than I do. I certainly can't go wrong by reading the Word more than I do. I can't go wrong by fasting more than I do. And so something in me wants to stir up the gift that's in me. What does that even mean? When Timothy, when things get just a little bit stagnant, Peter or Paul did not say, all right, Timothy, here's what you need to do. Got to go to church. I want you to pray from this time to this time. I want you to fast this. I want it to be this time. I want you to read the Torah. I want you to come back and meet me here. Like he just says, you need to do something, stir some things up. And so when you get to that point, something in us has to go, I want to go deeper. What does that mean? What does that mean? I can't get up here today and go deeper. Let me give you the, def- the definition. Here's what everyone needs to do. Because for some of you, that's not even deeper than you are, you'd actually be going more shallow. For some of you, that would be so deep that you'd kill yourself because you literally just started walking this way. And that's not a knock on you, but you're just like, a seven day fast. What's a fast? I don't even, you know, like we can, we all, oh, the only thing we knew about fast was blood work. Well, there's a spiritual thing. And again, that's not a knock. It's just saying that as someone's going, I'm starting to walk, kind of like a pool. There's a shallow end. I get in the shallow end, I work my way in, which by the way, I have a thing. It's like rules for boys, 10 rules for boys, fathers with boys. It says rule number like seven is boys never enter the pool on the stairs. There's only one way to enter the pool, and it's not the stairs, okay? As I'm trying to raise my boys, even though they make fun of me sometimes because I'm getting older, and I'm like, they called me out the other day. I was getting, we were on our vacation, and I was getting in on the stairs at this house Airbnb we were staying at, and they were like, dad. I was like, all right, I'm jumping in.
1: But there's something
0: in us that says, I want to go deeper. What does that mean? Well, for you, that means doing something different than what you're currently doing. Paul, or Peter, they're they're fishing. He says, go out into the deep. Like I said last week, what does that mean? He didn't say, yeah, you're currently at 17 feet. Probably want to go to about 34 feet. You want to head a mile and a half out, go east. Hey, you're here, go deeper. God will do something. You get to define that. Why? Because, you know, you can have as much of God as you want question is how much of your how much of yourself are you willing to give we literally get to get get to have as much of god as we want but it comes with a, a commitment it comes with a sacrifice it comes with us saying okay i'm not just going to wait for him to tell me something no i'm I feel a, a, a prodding, I feel a stirring in my spirit that it's time for me to do something. It's not just what we add that takes us deeper, it's our personal consecration. Because you know what? If all I do is, man, no, I've, I moved to moving from 30 minutes a day praying, I'm praying for an hour. I'm praying, see, because last week I talked to you about being going deeper in God. Today is what are we going to do to get there? There's a theme in my spirit. God's dealing with me about going deeper. And so I don't want to just say, go deeper and pull up my hanky and go, ha. I want to say, God's called us deeper. Now let's talk about what we can do. This can't be a message. Deeper is not a season. Deeper is not a fast. Deeper is not a three-day fast. Deeper is not a a church-led event. Deeper is where men and women of God say, I don't care what anybody else is doing. I want more. And it's not just I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna fast. It's also what am I what is what about the personal commitment, the consecration. I spoke at a hyphen retreat in St. Louis this weekend. I got to talk to amazing, amazing people eighteen to thirty-ish. Amazing people. God moved in a mighty way. Not because of me, but because of their hunger, their desire for him. The next generation of this organization is safe. It is safe. But I got to share with them, I'll, I'll never forget when I broke all my CDs. Now, I know some of you don't even know what those things are when I got serious about God and I was like, hey, I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm doing this, but yet I'm still listening to this. My mom and dad did not come downstairs and say, Gary, are you still listening to that? Certainly did not because they did not even know I was listening to that. (laughs) That was a good, Pam probably gave me the CDs, but. (laughs) I always find a way to throw under the bus. It's really fun, but. I remember when I broke my CDs. I remember, see, there was a certain time in my life, again, certainly my parents wouldn't have known, but a certain before I got serious about God that I would watch rated R movies. And then I got serious about God and I said, man, this this ain't right. Now, I'm only going to watch pg 13 And I remember being in high school, my friends would still sometimes get together and they would rent something. And then all of a sudden you'd have this moment of like, is this a line in the sand that you go like this? And then you go like this. And depending on how good the service is, you go like this. Well, this one, that one's not so bad. This one just has a little cussing. This one just has a little bit of shooting. This one. So I watch it. No, the line doesn't move. So then my friends would get together, and I'd be like, hey, y'all. I, yeah, I'm not, I didn't say y'all back then. That came since I moved to Missouri. <laughs> I'll say, hey, you guys. And so, but wait till I go back. I'm preaching. There, it's a 50th anniversary service, and I'm preaching in Parkway next month. Wait till I get in the pulpit, and they're gonna, everybody there is going to tell me I have a southern accent. I know it. But, uh, but the line doesn't move. And so we go, all right. I'm not going to, and so my, my friends would get together, and i say, guys, I, I, don't, I don't watch Radio round movies. What? Dude, come on, bro. Like, I said, no, I don't want to be disrespectful. You guys feel free to watch it. I'll go, I'll, I'll cut out. Not a big deal. I, don't, I, I didn't, I didn't want to try and be like, guys, I'm pursuing the pastoral call, <laughs> and uh, I'm a man of God, and so you got to rid yourself of everything unclean and unholy. I just said, hey, I don't do that, so feel free. You guys can watch it. I'll cut out. And every once in a while, most of them were spe- really respected it. And you're like, no, 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 it's on. Every once in a while, I'd leave. I'd actually leave where everybody was hanging out. And then God started dealing with me about PG-13. And as he deals with you, I'm looking at young people, hyphen, but I'm also looking at adults. As he deals with you, you're not always thrilled to release the next thing. You don't clear the Apple Music list because I no longer enjoy those songs. You don't say I'm not watching these things because they're just not entertaining anymore. Folks, all I watch pretty much these days, if I get a moment in my bored downtime, we'll watch Pure Flex. That's like the worst acting in human history. (laughs) But I'll tell you this, if you jump from Hollywood to Pure Flix, it's going to be a brutal run. But as you release these things and you don't watch anything for a while, like right now, I never watch stuff for the most part. Like, I mean, I'll occasionally watch a bad Packers football game. They don't even know how to play football anymore. But, but I don't really watch anything anymore. So when I sit down and, and I watch a Pure Flix movie, I'm like, man, these are, these, these are actually pretty good actors. Because you know nothing to compare it to, and these people are entertaining me. I'm like, yeah, they're good. Academy Award for that guy. What's his name? And they're like, yeah, no, probably not. But these are the things that we can do that go, I want to go deeper than where I am right now. But you know what often happens? We go to a great altar call. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, i want to do it. Lord. I'm, I'm going to clear out the Apple playlist. And it's clear for two weeks. And we go back and download more. What oh, was that good song again? I ain't been to a good altar call in a while, so I'm going back. That's not depth. It's not depth. And for some of you, you'll say, well, that's fine. And it, it'll be okay for some. But for some of you, God's calling is upon your life. For some of you, you are called and ordained by God to do great, marvelous, mighty things. And you cannot live like that. Some of you are being called to a greater depth. You are going to lead the masses into relationship with Jesus Christ. And in order to have that type of anointing and calling upon your life, there has to be a consecration there has to be a commitment there are certain things i don't wear there's certain things i don't watch there's certain things i don't listen to it's not a seasonal thing it's not like christmas music where i listen to it in the christmas and i don't listen to no it's it's it is i don't do this i don't care who around me is i don't care if i'm the only youth in the entire youth group and i'm just standing alone then let all them live on the lower level of anointing and you live on yours Because he's calling us deeper. What is your spirit emanating? Do you know that? You ever been around somebody? You ever been around someone that, 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 like, they have a certain smell? I know that sounds weird. I know that sounds weird. Every once in a while, my wife will hug me, and she'll go, oh, you smell good. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means, my deodorant, my skin, my cologne. But she'll say, you smell good. Every once in a while, she says, you don't smell good. <laughs> But here's the thing your skin kind of the, the pheromones the you, you have you have you have cologne you have perfume you have lotions that you like to, that it almost becomes and even your skin has a scent so you might have a friend that sleeps or you might go over to someone's house it's weird you can't smell the own smell the, 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 your own smell of your house Anybody ever experienced that? I'll go to my mom's house, and she uses potpourri and different things. And I was like, wow, my clothes, if, if she helps me, and she'll occasionally, like, iron some clothes if we're traveling or something, she'll iron and bring it back to us, and my clothes smell like her house. I'll say, well, it smells like your house. She's like, my house doesn't smell. I was like, yes, it does. I'm not saying it smells bad. It just has a smell. You go in, and I know that Tiffany and Chad, I think they've told me our house smelled like something. I go to their house. Their house smells like something. That There's, there's, there's sense. There's sense. Am I the only crazy person or am I correct here? Okay. We're on the same page. You all are. I don't know if you're laughing with me or at me, so I'm feeling a little insecure. And so we, there, there are scents that go, well, guess what? Your spirit releases a scent. Now, not a literal like, you stink. No, no. I mean, yes and no. And so but not a literal like, oh, you know what? You smell like bath and body lotion. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying your spirit is emanating, and it emanates what you allow in it. What do you allow in your spirit? This is dictated by two things, what you let in and how much time you're in the presence of God. Your spirit emanates to those around you. Think of it. The disciples never once asked Jesus how to preach. I mean, if I'm going to stand up and preach the first message of the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, the birth of the New Testament church, I would be working with Jesus like, hey, what kind of an outline should I have? What kind of bullet points? How long should it be? His probably would be shorter than mine, but. And they did not say, how do we grow a church? How How do we grow a church? Jesus, you're telling us to be the church. How do we grow a church? Really, what we see them ask is how can we pray? Lord, teach us to pray. Luke 11.1, 1, that's where they say that. He was praying a certain place. They, they see one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer is the interface that connects the infinite, which is God, to the finite, which is humankind. It's literally this, this, my wife talked about it yesterday. It's this invitation from God that he, that he locks himself to prayer. And he says, hey, I'm going to connect with you. And here's the interface I'm using. Do you want to use it or not? And the only way that we walk in the spirit rather than the flesh is to be filled with the spirit. But also have the fruit of the spirit. And to get the fruit of the spirit so that our, our, our spirit is emanating a healthy scent. To get the fruit of the Spirit, that means we have to be working in healthy soil. And if the Spirit's not healthy, it's not going to produce fruit. And so when we pray, are our prayers, are they focused on temporary things, temporal things, or eternal things? If God answered every single one of your prayers from the last six months, six straight months, He answered every single prayer, would eternity look different or would just your temporal world In Matthew 6, Jesus tells his followers, I'm going to take care of food, clothes, shelter. Just keep me first. I'll take care of everything else. But we often spend the majority of time, if not all of our prayer time, on the temporal things because that is often what consumes us and not God. Our understanding of prayer, though, has to transform today. Prayer is not just going through the motions. It's an invitation from an infinite being to connect with us as finite beings. And virtue is born out of this if we will accept God's invitation. Many of us are trying to look for gifts of the Spirit. Oh, I'd love gifts. I'd love to be mightily used. I'd love God to do that through me. But we do this without developing virtue that comes only from spending time in the presence of God. You see, I've gotten to ride. I don't even really like Ferris wheels. Anybody love Ferris wheels? There's like two people. That's shocking. Does anybody hate Ferris wheels? There's a lot more people that hate them. Well, I've gotten to ride on Chicago, St. Louis, Seattle, California, Florida, Branson, Galveston. I've ridden on all these Ferris wheels. And I think about this, that Jesus is going to be one of two things. He's either going to be one of the cars on your Ferris wheel, or he is going to be the fulcrum. He's either going to be what you revolve your life around, and you can say, oh, there, this is all part of my life that revolves around Jesus Christ. Or he just becomes like, yep, oh, there's the car for my job. There's a car for my, for my finances. There's the car for family. There's the car for working out and athletics. There's the car for food. There's a car for Jesus. There's a car for church and ministry. And it's just like, oh, yeah, God's a part of my life. But he's one of many things that rotates around in my life. Or he's going to be the fulcrum which everything else revolves around the one central thing, which is my relationship with Jesus Christ. When Jesus says, who touched me? His disciples are like, come on, who's touching you? But his disciples missed something. People can throng Jesus and they can surround Jesus without ever actually touching Jesus. We can actually follow him around, join together in a service, serve in ministry, be able to quote things and know things about what scripture says, but actually never touch him. We can surround him and be in his presence, but never actually touch him. If I was a person in that audience today that had a need in that day, I would have been like, bro, she just crawled through this crowd, just touched the hem of his garment, and he stopped everything for her and met her need because she was so hungry to touch Jesus. I would have been standing there going, Why didn't I? Why didn't I touch Jesus? And a lot of people will, hang on, when you walked by me, I touched you too. But not with that level of desire. Not with that level of expectation. I think we all touch Jesus every time we come here. Almost every one of us but not with that depth, not with that. God, it's now or never. i got to get my hands on the hem of your garment. Right now, there's all these things going on in my life, but I know right now the only thing, right at that moment, she didn't care about anything else in the world except for, I just got to get this hand onto the hem of that garment. That's the only thing that I need right now when we can say i'm sitting in this place today and i got to get here i got to do this i got this upcoming and i still have to deal with this this person annoying me oh, i got to do the checkbook when i get home i got our minds are all these places but when we can go hang on here it's just about 3:30 on a sunday afternoon and i know there's ah, he's been preaching too long and he needs to wrap up and all this but i know that right now as soon as he stops talking there's only one thing on my mind and that is i have got to get into the presence of jesus i have got to touch the hem of his garment. I've got to do whatever I can do to go deeper than where I am right now because Jesus knows the difference, and I'm almost done. He knows the difference between someone who just shows up and, so, and someone who is there with faith and expectation. He knows the difference. We gather weekly to throng and surround Jesus. But if we're not spending time in his presence, we're not talking to him, we're not actually touching him, then we're not living in the fullness. We're not living in the depth of the relationship that he has for us. And I, I can say, I don't know about you, but I, but no, I think I do know about you because I watched it last night. I believe that this church is going, hey, we've seen some signs, wonder miracles. We've had some great prayer meetings, great times of worship. We're building a new building. This is exciting times, but this church is filled with people that go, that has gotten us to where we are now. But we've kind of hit a ceiling, and I don't want to stay on this level anymore. There's something in me that says, I want to go down. Deeper, I'm not content to just stay here. That there's something stirring in my heart that makes me want to get out of this chair and get myself to an altar. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I know for me, I got to get into the presence of God because I don't want to throng Him anymore. I don't want to just get around and gather around Him. I don't want to gather on Sundays and Wednesdays just to appease a religious duty that makes me feel good about myself myself. I want to be like Jacob and say, God, I ain't leaving until you touch me, till you give me a blessing. I'll wrestle. I'll fight. I want to be hungry. I want to be I want to go to greater depths in you. It's not for a season. It's a lifestyle change. It's not a prayer meeting. It's a life of prayer. It's not a three-day fast. It's a new way of life, fasting weekly. I'm reaching right now to someone who says I'm sick of myself. I'm sick of where I am. I want deeper. I want more I want to say God start a fire down in my soul I want more of you God I want more of you God I end early this I end right now and and I just want us to come and find a place to pray I want us to I don't want us just rush out of here I know there's things to do I know that there's stuff on the agenda but I don't want to just gather around Jesus. I don't want to just gather around him. I don't want to just say hi Jesus. Oh it's been great being in your presence today. It was another beautiful move of your spirit. You even touched that one lady who was willing to get through the crowd to touch the hem of your garment. No I'm not going to be an innocent bystander. I'm not going to watch someone else fight to get through the crowd and touch the hem of your garment. When I'm standing there doing nothing I want to be the one that fights. I want be the one that you know it don't matter who around me what they're doing or what they're not doing what are you willing to fight through to say I'm gonna touch Jesus I'm gonna touch Jesus I'm gonna get my hand on the hem of his garment who's gonna touch Jesus